Well, this morning, God's given me a kind of a different kind of message, and I wasn't sure exactly. I thought it was for one thing, but God's shown me already that it's for several things, okay? So I'm just going to share it. I believe God's given it to me. It's not real in-depth. It's not real deep, okay? But sometimes the simple things are what's important. Now, whether you know this or not, I'm a creature of habit, okay? I like things to stay the same. And I can tell that my tribe is large in here, okay? I don't like change, okay? In fact, I, I, I hate change. I mean, that's just to say it lightly. I hate change. I get comfortable with a schedule, and I know where to be and what to do and, and where to go and what I'm spo- I, everything that's required of me. And, and then I don't have to think a lot because when I think, I mess things up. Well, I expected another person to say amen. <laughs> I do. I, I mess things up. I, if I don't write them down, I mess them up. And so I, 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 I live my life's a schedule, okay? And so I, <laughs> it, it's just reality. I like knowing what's going to happen next, and I like the confidence that comes from knowing what's going to happen next. I just don't like the unknown. I, I never have, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Several years ago, and it's been more than several now, but we were we were a few years into our marriage, and Kathy and I, uh, we'd, we'd moved into our house, and we got everything set. And Kathy went back to school, and she went back to school to be an interior designer, so she was studying interior design. And she would come home, and, and we slowly changed rooms, and we'd change them around, and we'd change them back, and we'd change them around. And, I mean, it was okay, but we got to the bedroom. And so we changed the bedroom around. And I, I mentioned that, you know, I am a creature of habit. And I, I, I'd gotten used to things in the bedroom being in a certain place. And you know how it is in the middle of the night when you, you have to get up. I, I was used to getting up, bump, bump, bump to the dresser. Take a step, take a step, bump, 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 past my chest of drawers and into the bathroom. I didn't even have to wake up. Okay, I mean, I, I, could, I could do it mindlessly. And we began to change the bedroom and change it around and change it around. And, change, and all of a sudden, one night, I bump, bump, bump. Step, step, step. All of a sudden, I'm in this place that's just so tight, I can't even move. I'm in the hall in the, in the closet. And it was about this one. It wasn't the bathroom. Okay. Another night I get up, I bump, 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 wham, the next thing I know I'm in the floor, I've been gored by a ceramic bull, okay, I got a bleeding gash in my shin, I'm not in the bathroom, I'm in his territory, and so, you know, I, I kicked it while I was frantically searching for the, for the bathroom, and so I say that to say this, I hate change. I hate when things change, I, 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 and most of you do as well. We like things to say the same. We like to go to the same places. We like to eat the same food. We like to watch the same TV shows. 
We like the same. We like to sit in the same places at church, park in the same parking spot. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm not, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, it's what we do. What happens is change rearranges the world we live in, and it turns us upside down, and we don't like it. We just don't like it. One reason we don't like it is it makes us uncomfortable. Amen? It takes us out of our schedule. It forces us to do things differently. Now, most of you, like me, you're creatures of habit, and you enjoy your comfort and your way of doing things. And so we, we get set in our ways. I mean, I used to, I used to, you know, kind of eye my mom and dad that way and my grandparents that way, and I'd just go, they're set in their ways. But you know what? I'm set in my ways. There, there are things I want to do. I want to drink a cup of coffee every morning. I don't want but one usually, but, but I want to do that. And there's some other things that, that, that I just feel like I have to do before I can get going. You're the same way. There are some things I have to do before I go to bed that, that you know, it's, it's kind of a ritual that I go through. But none of us like to be uncomfortable. Another reason we dislike change is because it creates fear in us. It creates fear. Change represents the unknown. And the unknown is a scary place for most people. It's like the dark right there. I don't know what's on the other side of that. Now, I know what I've been taught. I know what Scripture says, but I haven't experienced it yet. And so it's unknown, and it's a little scary. It's a little frightening. We've been conditioned to believe that uncertainty is bad, that if you're not certain about something, it's not a good thing. We've been conditioned to believe that if a a situation or a circumstance is unpredictable, then something bad is going to happen. Any of y'all live there? So when we get out of the ordinary, we're a little bit hesitant. We're, We're uncomfortable. We're scared. We're frightened. Now, A third reason that we dislike change is most of us are not motivated enough to change. Amen? We like things the way they are. Even though we know this probably needs to change. We just are not motivated. We're not compelled enough to. In other words, we, we tend to change not because we need to, but because we're forced to. That's usually when change comes in our lives. It's when we're forced to. Many of us have followed the shoulds that everybody else told us. You understand what I'm saying? You should do this. You should do that. You should do this and this and this and this. And, and those shoulds are not always the dreams or the desires that God put in us. And so what happens is we, we, we listen to them. You know, you know the them, they, the experts who've been this way before and have all the wisdom of the world. And we listen to them and we fall into a rut and we do the things that they or them think we should rather than what God wants us to. And what happens is over time we surrender those dreams away and they, they kind of fade away and we get into a habit. We know we need to change, but there's just not enough motivation there. It's just easier. And then there's a fourth reason. And that fourth reason is is that we dislike change because it forces us to rethink what we've been doing. Now, I know none of you are this way. 
But most people that I know, including myself, think they're right. Amen? Let's just be real honest about everything. We're all experts at everything. Amen? I mean, let's just, let's just, be, let's just be real here. And, I, you know, the way I'm doing it, I think, is the right way. And it rarely is. I mean, it, honestly, it rarely is. But we think we're doing it the right way. And, and therefore, to change means I have to admit this may not be the best way. Or this may not even be the right way. And so I have to rethink it. And, and that's tough to admit you're wrong. Change forces us to reconsider what we've been doing and the way we've been doing it. It demands that we have what I call a reality check. You know, one of those come to meeting, come to Jesus meetings where you just sit down and you realize, hey, I've not been doing this the right way. And so we fight against change. All of us do. Every generation does. This is not just a a, a thing that older uh, folks do. This is the things that younger folks do. This is what children do. They, they find things they like to do. My granddaughter has a pattern. Whenever we meet and whenever we get together, there are certain things she goes through to make sure that her world is okay. And if I deviate, she lets me know it. So I've just learned to do it. Okay. So change is something none of us like. But here's the thing. God designed the world that way. He designed us to change. He designed everything in the created realm to change. And as a church, we have to change. Every created thing changes or it dies. Okay, did you hear that? You either change or you die. There's no, that's, that's the only options we have. That's our choice as individuals. That's our choice as a church. And so therefore, we have to constantly embrace the change or we become extinct. Now, many of you know what dinosaurs are, okay? Dinosaurs were cold-blooded animals that lived in warm, tropical environments. They had everything they needed. All the greenery, uh, the, the temperature was warm enough, their blood, you know, they, they didn't get slow and, 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 and not move. They, it was perfect. They had a perfect environment that they lived in for them. And then one day, that warm tropical environment began to change. But the dinosaurs didn't change. And eventually, their warm tropical uh, environment turned into an ice age. And you know what happened to the dinosaurs? They became extinct. They died. You know why? Because they didn't adapt. They didn't change. They didn't uh, do what was necessary to get by. And the environment they disappeared, I mean, the environment that they live in disappeared, so did they. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you a dinosaur? Now, you don't have to answer it out loud. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm going nowhere else with that. But a dinosaur refuses to change, okay? Believing that if they continue to do the same things the, way, the same way they've always done it, they'll get the same results, and that will, everything will remain the same. Now, folks, it won't. Things change. Things change. 
Now, I want to be very clear about this this morning. I want you to, I want you to hear me. And I don't want you to mistake this, okay? Because I, I don't want to hear Pastor Nelson said something else. I want you to hear this. Everything that's a part of this creation changes. But God never changes. I'm going to say that again. Everything that's a part of this creation changes. It has to. But God never changes. He is the anchor that those of us who are are sailing our ships on the sea, powered by the winds of change, connect to. He's the one that we drop the anchor into because He doesn't change. Listen to Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. This this is one of the clearest scriptures if you're looking for an anchor this morning. If, If everything in your life is upside down and sideways, this is an anchor. Listen to what God says. He says, for I am the Lord. I'm God. And then listen to what he says. I do not change. For I'm the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, because of this, because I'm the Lord and I don't change, O sons of Jacob, you're not consumed. In other words, you don't come to an end. That's what he's saying there. God says, I don't change. I am the same Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In fact, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that's what it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, yes, forever. Psalm 102, verse 27, sums it up this way. The psalmist writes this, he says, But you are the same. You are the same. God, you are the same. I can count on you. When everything else in my life is upside down and in turmoil and inside out, and I don't know which way is up and which way is down or which is left and which is right, I don't know if it's night or day, God, you don't change. I can grab hold of you, and I can hang on. See, God does not change. God is what Scripture calls eternal. Theologians use that term, which means He has... And He will always exist. He never had a beginning. He will never have an end. Well, I don't understand that. Well, I'm sorry. I can't explain it. Okay? That's what He says. I am. I am yesterday. I am today. I am tomorrow. Not I was yesterday. I am today. I will be tomorrow. No, I am yesterday. I am today. I am tomorrow. All all that is now with God. Okay? Scripture tells us that He's transcendent, transcendent, meaning that that God is actively at work in creation, yet He's wholly independent of it and separate of it, and He's not bound by its loss. He's transcendent. He's eternal. God created us. He's sovereign. He's in control. Folks, listen to me. Nothing happens that he's not aware of. Okay? Does he cause everything? No. But if it comes into your life, he has allowed it because he has an answer for it. He knows what he wants to do in that situation. He's not, you're not a puppet on a string. The choices you make play a part in it. But he's still sovereign. Okay? He's got a purpose and a plan. 
And I know every person in this room have questions about situations or circumstances that have happened in their life. Well, why did this person die? And why did this person leave? And why did that person disappear? And why did this happen to me? You know what? I don't know the answer to that. But one of these days, God will share the answer with you. God knows. You say, well, that doesn't help me answer my question. I know it doesn't. It doesn't take away the pain. I know it doesn't. But you know what? God doesn't change. And His Word says that He will be with us, that He will never leave us. Those are things I can grab hold of and hang on. No matter how hard the wind blows. No matter what's changing around me. There's a, there's a passage. All right, let me say this. He, he's not just transcendent. He's not just eternal. He's not just sovereign. He's also imminent. And imminent means that he is present within this universe that he has made. He's here with us. Yet this universe that we're in cannot contain him. Okay? He's big. He's big. He's big enough to take care of any problem, situation, circumstance that we wander into, that we find ourselves in. He's big enough. There's a passage in Scripture that has helped me in ministry. And, And because I used to do a lot of counseling, which meant I used to to bear a lot of burdens uh, with people. They, they didn't become my burden, but, but I helped them bear their burden there. And, and there were days when i go home and I would go, Why, God? Why? As far as I can tell, this person, you know, they've, they're following you, but why are they going through this? And I, and I couldn't, I didn't have the answer. And, and people come to preachers expecting to get an answer. Can I just tell you, a trade secret. And this will help you with preachers, okay? They don't know. <laughs> they don't know. Okay? They, they want you. It's not that they want you to believe that they know. It's that you come, we come with questions, and, and they feel like they have to give an answer. But the reality is we don't know. Because we, we walk the same path everybody else walks. You know, some things are obvious and some things are not. And God's usually not in most of the things that he does. But this passage of Scripture has become a, a passage that, that I could just relax with, okay? And I could remind myself of this. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 11, God says this. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Really? Wow. God says, I don't think like you think. I don't act like you act. And he's, he's not saying that we don't think right or that we don't behave right. He's saying, my thoughts are so much bigger than yours. And my ways are so far greater than you can even imagine. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways Your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens, and he says this, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. You know what? There was a day in my life when I said, okay, God, you are 100% correct. I accept this. You know what? I don't have to have the answer for that or for that or for that. I don't have to wonder why this is happening in this part of the world and nobody seems to want to do anything about it. God, I, I can't do anything about it. All I can do is pray for them. That's all I want you to do. God, I don't understand why this lady is going through this. I don't, under, I don't understand why her children and her spouse, they seemingly abandon her. You're not supposed to understand. You just pray for her and you minister to her. God, I don't understand why this guy who's done everything that he could do has lost his family. I don't understand that. You know what? You don't have to understand that, son. You just minister to him what I tell you to do. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Listen to me. God does not cause everything. But God knows that everything is happening and he's working. Okay? He doesn't work the way I want him to work. If we did, if he did, this place would be really messed up. Okay? God says, I'm in charge. You're me. I'm. We're not. We're not. God says, I think differently than you do. My ways are different from yours. I'm in charge, and I'm working out my will, and I'm working out my purpose in your life. But here's the thing. It's not just in my life. It's not just in your life. It's in the life of every other person that lives on this planet. God is working out his will and his purpose in their lives. Why? He loves them. And his desire is that they become like Jesus Christ. That he's, he's conforming us to the image of Jesus. He's transforming us into whatever he purposed for us before the foundation of the world. That's why he's changing, constantly changing. Because that change forces us to change. God never changes. But when he touches you or he touches me, we have to change. Okay? We have to change. Or we disappear. We, we disintegrate. Okay? Because we're talking about the omnipotent God who has all power. Puts his finger on you, his hand on you. You're going to change. You're going to change. And so, I love this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Paul says, now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. As believers, I want you to hear this, as believers, as Christians, the spirit of the Lord is where? Right here. We're free in here. Now, most of us are not free out here. Okay? That's another sermon for another day. But God's working to get what's in here out here. So that we're not bound up. We're not in bondage. That we're not fearful. And so 
the Lord, who's the Spirit, is working in your spirit, and your spirit is free, and God wants you to experience all the liberty that He's placed in you out here. Then I love what, what Paul says here in verse 18. He says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord Jesus, are being transformed into the same image. In other words, when we look into that mirror and we see Jesus, that same image that we're looking at is becoming our image. And here's the way it works. From glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from glory to glory. It's a process. It's not instantaneous. That's why it hurts so much. God is working and He's changing us moment by moment from glory to glory. Now, most of that change hurts. Amen. It's not comfortable. It's not predictable. It's not safe. At least not in the way we term predictable, safe, and comfortable. It causes us a lot of times to scratch our head and to search our hearts and and often to ask God why. Have you ever asked God why? I want you to hear me this morning. I've, I've heard pastors say the opposite of this. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking God why. Why is, the, is, is, is our search to make sense out of a situation? Okay? I don't think it threatens God at all when we ask Him why. Now, sometimes He answers and sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes we go, why this, God? Why now? God, I don't think there's anything wrong with those questions. Here's the question that's not right. Why me, God? Why me? You ever ask that? I have. I've asked it this week. I asked it last week. I'll probably ask it next week. And you probably will as well. It's not why me. We have to ask the questions. Why? Because we're trying to get... Our, 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 our mind around it, trying to understand it, trying to make some sense of it. Because if we can make a little sense of it, you know what? We can sell a little farther into the unknown. It's not the way I would do things. It's not our ways. It's His ways. It's His thoughts. And here's the reason. God sees the big picture. Now, this, this blows my mind up, so I can't explain it. Past, present, and future, same picture for God. Past, present, and future for me, that's the past. That's the present. I mean, the future. This right here, this little crack through the door is how I see the world. And therefore, that's how I live through that little crack there. And that's how you live. We see a teeny tiny bit but you know what he sees the big picture and that little sliver that that I see it contains me okay that's got others in it but the issue is just me I can see that stuff I can see what affects me 
and how this affects me and how this is going to change what I like. You understand what I'm talking about? Am I, talk, am I speaking the same language? All of you with me this morning, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. We look at change selfishly. We really do. How will it affect me? How will this change? Will I like it? Will I want it? Am I comfortable with it? We don't ask, God, what are you trying to do here? (laughs) That's true. He's trying to get rid of me. He really is. I love what John the Baptist said. It's hard, a hard way to live, though. He said, I must decrease that he might increase. I must fade away that he may shine. That all the light is him. One of the things that God's been teaching me, and, and really, I thought I had arrived at a place that, that I sort of understood God until I, I planted a church. I was a part of that. And I've come to realize I'm the stupidest guy on the face of the earth. I don't know anything. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest with you. What I thought I knew no longer works. And what I realize is I have to ask this question. God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach my family? What are you trying to teach our church? What is it that you're trying to say? And, you know, change is often viewed with the lens that something's wrong. That something's not working. So therefore, we've got to change it. Most of y'all have had enough connection with the business world. Hey, if the bottom line is not where it wants to be, we're going to change. And a lot of times, it has nothing to do with what you're doing or the product. Sometimes it has to do with those who are up here rather than those who are down here. But down here always changes. Up here tends to remain the same. Okay, this is not a lesson on revolutionary economics. I'm just being honest with you. But I always look at it. I I always chuckle a little bit. You get a, a football team that's got all the stuff, and they're supposed to be winning big. But they're not winning, they're losing. And what happens? The head coach usually does what? He fires the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator. And the problem usually rests with who? The head coach. But he's got to do something because what everybody wants is not happening. He's looking for better. Okay? Better. And you know what? God is not always looking for better. God is looking for breakthrough. Now let that settle a minute, okay? Breakthrough always means better. But better does not always mean breakthrough. God is looking for breakthrough in our lives. That's why change comes. Is so that we can step from one place to another place. Yes, there are moments in time where change needs to happen, but it's always for breakthrough. It's always for breakthrough. God doesn't produce change just to make things better. If he wanted to make things better, he wouldn't work with me. And he wouldn't work with you. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. One of the things that I have learned is that when breakthrough comes, that 
change often propels a person or a people into their destiny where God wants to go. Where he wants to take all of us. Many of the the most profound changes that, that I've ever experienced in my journey with God have been more about breakthrough than about being better. You know, being better at something, you can learn to be better. You can study and you can practice and, and you'll get better. It's normal, natural. But breakthrough is a supernatural thing. It means when I surrender, I say, God, I give up. I'll do whatever you want. Boom, breakthrough takes place. And you go from way here to way here in a matter of moments, in a blink of an eye. Like I said, every breakthrough has a side effect. Better. But breakthrough is what God wants. And churches are notorious and unwilling to change. You know why? Because they are filled with us who don't like change. That's what makes them that way. But as a church, we constantly have to change. Now, I want to say this, and I want you to to listen to me. We change, we adapt, we seek breakthrough. But we don't ever change our message. Okay? Hear what I'm saying here. The Word of God is true. It was true yesterday. It is true today. It will be true tomorrow for every people in every time. Okay? It's true because God said it. And God cannot lie. So we don't change our message. We don't tailor our message Because of what culture says. We may tailor our methods. We may adapt so that we can be heard by people who can't hear us. Because we're using methods that they don't understand or they no longer use. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Here's another truth. Churches often have short lifespans. You say, well, I know lots of churches that are 100 years old. Well, let me give you an illustration of what would happen if they were a little bit bigger and in Europe. You would visit them on tours, and there would be nobody in them. Amen? There are lots of churches in Europe. There's one in every town. Most of them are beautiful. They, they are beyond describing, but there's nobody there. It's a church building. But there's no church there. There's no body there. See, churches have a short lifespan if they don't adapt their methods, if they are not constantly changing. I know we don't like to hear that, but that's reality. Time does not stop. The enemy doesn't. He is constantly changing his battle plan and his game plan. That's why a coach in the press box, that's why they put coaches in the press box because coaches on the field can't see everything. But the coach in the press box can see what's changed and he has to change. And the teams that continue to win adapt. They change. The churches that are effective change. We don't change our message, okay? but we change the way we do things. We have to. Now, we don't just change because change is what we need to do either. I know pastors that they come in, they change everything. Okay? 
God put this church here. And God's got a plan. It's not my job to change this church. It's my job and your job to pray and figure out what God's plan is and do it. And then everybody is successful. Okay? So that's why you're telling us all this. Because I think every once in a while we need to remind ourselves about this. Too many churches and too many Christians think we still live in a lush tropical environment. And we don't. We live in an ice age, okay? We live in the first century again. We may even live past the first century. We may be re-entering the dark ages once again. You see what comes around? Or what goes around comes around. And so we have to be flexible. If we don't change, we die as individuals. We die as churches. Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could build mausoleums and visit on Sunday or museums that we could go and see what the good old days looked like. Listen to me. Yesterday was not the good old days. Today are the good old days because God is at work and present working in His people. That's what makes good old days. Now, I know we have memories of what was and we liked it, but you know what? We didn't want to change. Listen to you. You you can't eat yesterday's manna over and over and over. The children of Israel learned that yesterday's manna rots in your mouth. We have to gather manna every day. And folks, like I said, these yesterday wasn't the good old days. These are the good old days. Here's the bottom line for every person in this room. You're either an obstacle to God's plan or you're an aid to God's plan. If you resist change, guess what? You're an obstacle. Most of us are obstacles until God softens us up enough to realize that he knows what he's doing. And then we become aids to his plan. Most of the things that we presently do as a church will change. I have lived long enough in my life to see what we call church change. And most of you have too. And some of it I thought was wonderful. And some of it I don't like, okay? But I'm not in charge. This is not my church. This is his church. Faces change. Places change. Methods change. I don't like that, okay? I I don't like that, and you don't like that. But you know what? God hadn't made that a prerequisite for bringing about his purpose and his plan. He didn't consult me. And I promise he won't consult you. He's in charge, okay? When we come to Christ, many of us think we hire our own as God's advisors. But he doesn't need advisors. He needs ministers and servants and people who will just go. You know what? If things go like I want them to go, this church would be totally messed up. Now, I know some of you don't think that, but I'm telling you, it'll be messed up. It'll be messed up. It won't, it, it'll be so messed up because it's not my church. It's not supposed to look like me. It's the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his bride. 
And he's working in his bride to present her faultless before the Father. And so this, this, this body has to look like him. It can't look like me. And folks, we have to be eagerly anticipating the return of our bridegroom. And if we are, then we'll be intent on taking the gospel to people that don't know about it yet and then making disciples out of them. That's our purpose here. We're not a doomed dinosaur, okay? Unless we grow to like the atmosphere we live in and we refuse to change. Here's the bottom line that every one of us have to do. We have to ask God, God, am I willing to surrender to the changes that you're bringing in my life? Let me shorten the question. God, do I really want breakthrough? Do I want breakthrough? Am I willing to pay the price? Not for better, but for the best. See, a lot of people settle for good. And if you'll settle for good, the devil will give you truckloads of it. Only God can give the best. But you can't settle. You can never unpack your bag and say, this is where I live, here shall I stay. Nothing will move me. Because just look at the Old Testament. Look at the Exodus. They'd get in a nice place, get comfortable, what would happen? They'd look out in the tent, and the glory had risen, and it started marching. You know what would have happened to those two and a half million people had they not followed the glory? In three days, they would have died without water. If some of them managed to find water, in a week or two, they would have died of starvation. Because only God can feed and water us when we're in the desert. And folks, that's where we live, is in the desert. We constantly have to follow Him. When He arises, we go. When He moves, we follow. So do I really want breakthrough? No matter how uncomfortable it makes me feel, no matter how uncertain I feel, no matter how fearful the unknown seems. And I'm going to tell you something. There are moments when it's terrifying. Okay? Just take my word for that if you hadn't experienced it before. It makes your knees shake. All I keep selling myself is, God, you said you'd never leave me. You said you'd never leave me. You said your ways are not my ways. You said your thoughts are not my thoughts. God, I'm here. My knees are knocking. I'm scared to death. If given an opportunity, I would run. But I'm holding on to you. I can remember I preached one of the first sermons I preached. Roger was, was pastor in a mission church. And it was the first sermon I had ever preached away from my home church. And I got up and I had my notes and I was ready to go. Boom! Lightning hit the transformer. It went pitch black. I mean, I couldn't see my end right here. And all of a sudden I felt something grab me around my leg. And I liked it. Nobody knew it, but I liked the left there. It was my nephew, Matthew. And God often reminds me, son, that's what I want you to do. When it gets dark and you can't see, you just wrap your arms around my legs. You're okay. And the reality of it is, God has his arms around me already. And it doesn't matter how dark it gets. I preached that sermon with a cigarette lighter. 
I learned a valuable lesson that night that I've never forgotten. If you don't know what you're going to preach, don't get up. Because the lights may go out and you may have to preach it in the dark. But folks, we have to hold on to God. We have to be willing to trust Him. We have to put our faith in the fact that He knows what He's doing. He knows what's going on. Are you willing, am I willing to let go of the past? Are we willing to live uh, life looking ahead rather than the rearview mirror? See, lots of people live with, with their eyes in the rearview mirror. And what happens is they're running over their future, looking back at their past. Do you want breakthrough or are you willing to settle for less? See, breakthrough demands that we take God by the hand and we step into a place none of us have ever been before. One we're unfamiliar with. One that's unknown. And the bottom line is we either do it in faith and we change or folks, we seize up with fear and we become dinosaurs. And 100% of the time, we become extinct. God sent Jesus to die on a cross to give us life, eternal life, not so that we would become extinct. Folks, change is inevitable. Many of you are going through change in your lives with your parents. Some of us have been through that. Listen to me. It gets darker sometimes before the the light shines on the other side. But listen to me, God is faithful. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how scary it gets, no matter how uncertain it is. Some of you are facing the end of your life. Okay? It may be tomorrow, it may be 10 years from now, it may be 20 years from now. But you know what? It's uncertain. It's, it's a little frightening. But Jesus is there. And Jesus has seen our life end. His life ended. And he sees what life on the other side is like. In fact, he is that life. So I want to encourage you. Some of you are young and you're just getting started out. And you don't think you'll ever die. I pray the Lord comes back before that day. But you'll hit some dark places. You'll hit some uncertain places, and you'll have to change. And you know what? God will walk through that change with you. His promise is, I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. I am with you. That's what he says. I will walk through it with you. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.